won't get released it'll just be uh the audio so sounds good sounds don't, good All right. don't have to worry about your beer showing up uh uh nah that that doesn't matter yeah, cool man so what are you up to these days i know you left this lesions what two years ago now no it's actually my anniversary was on the 16th oh, okay. uh, july yeah yeah july 16th yep so did your vows expire or did um, you get the month. I, I physically left. I physically left. I wanted to choose the feast day of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, just because okay. yeah, some significance in my life. Um, but my vows expired. I think I don't know, maybe like a week or two before that. Yeah, like a week and a half. In July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um. Because I, I petitioned sometime in June and then, no, no, dang, uh, I think like in May and then around somewhere in like towards the end of June, maybe early July, I got the, I got the letter back from, from Rome. Oh, to be physically like released from your <laughs> vows ahead of them being expired. Exactly. Oh, yeah, okay. they were so trying to, I, I know only did two. Yeah, I, I only did two years out of my triennials. Okay. Interesting. I didn't yeah. know that you had petitioned to be released early, so. Yeah, yeah, I have the official paper and everything. It's laminated. Just, <laughs> just so that. <laughs> just just so that is proof. Exactly, exactly. No. Yep. That's, that's cool. Uh, I don't know anybody who's ever petitioned to be released early, so that's interesting. Um, but before we get to that point uh, mm -hmm. in the story, I figure uh, we just go back to the beginning because people who are going to listen to me may know who you are or okay. not know who you are. So who are you? So um, I guess I can start off with, uh, I grew up in Queens, Queens, right? Um, up until I was 12, moved to Chicago when I was, uh, yeah, like 12 to, to 17. And that's where I met this religious group, right? Where I met the Salesians at a local parish. And um, I don't know, like, I felt like it was a great experience. I, I definitely was able to, like, break out of my shell more with them, feel more at home, and um, really just got into my faith. Yeah. So you yeah, and, um, in Queens, moved to Chicago. Yep. Uh, that, that was a transition in itself, you know. Um, I'm sure Chicago has like a pretty, pretty rough reputation. I'd say it lives up to it. So uh, definitely. Where I was at, not so much, not so much. Definitely, yeah, other parts of Queens, but where I was at, it was, it was decent. Um, I didn't really run into too many problems or like things on the street, more, more than Chicago. So no sort of like Will Smith-esque issues with growing up in west philadelphia no 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 mom no. Gets scared. it was, it was uh, the projects were you know were a few a few avenues down so not yeah not too bad okay. uh chicago though 
uh, it's it's a pretty segregated city. So like if they see an ethnicity um, in a neighborhood that is different, right? So like I, I was, I'm Hispanic, uh, growing up in a black neighborhood. Wait, so I stood out. You're Hispanic. <laughs> yeah, Ecuadorian. Ecuadorian. Or, uh, okay. Your Ecuadorian okay. listeners, yeah. I mean, you listen, so I do have Ecuadorian listeners. So <clears throat> there's a oh. little niche category there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. And definitely, it's funny to see the difference because I'm living in Newark now. Um, and previously, before I was living in this part of Newark, I was living in like a predominantly black part of Newark. And I like to run, so I'd go running um you know even uh, going to the grocery store walking down the street and you know they they wouldn't look twice at me like they see my direction all right you know it's whatever right um but in chicago if i'm walking down the street in a black neighborhood i get looks i could tell it's like you know what are you doing here type of thing you don't so it's funny to note that difference interesting okay so then having that sort of uh you know, background with Chicago and living in, a, I guess, segregated sort of community. How did you um, get hooked up with uh, the Salesian Parish out there in Chicago? Yeah, I guess because like I was in this, uh, I don't know, for some people who know me, it's really hard to kind of imagine, but I was in like this street mindset, like it's me against the world. And I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I don't care who wants to fight, I'll fight anybody, you know, whatever, right? And once I started going to, to St. John Bosco, it was funny because, like, it just felt so weird. I was like, who are these people? Like, why are they so friendly? Why are they, um, you know, why are these kids so, like, weird? Or, like, you know, it just, I, I wasn't used to that. And after a while, I was like, oh, I could kind of let my guard down, you know, like I could I could kind of be myself and be stupid I don't have to be ready to fight here. Exactly. Exactly. OK. And then, yeah, it just felt like home, man. I, I, I love that, of course. I was like, man, if I could get other young people to kind of feel like that, like it'd be great. Like I, I'd love to spread that to other, other young people. So that's why I joined right out of high school. Okay. And then uh, you came with a, a friend of yours, right? Mikey, he came out. Yeah, Mikey. <laughs> so both of us had known each other through the parish since junior year, junior and senior year. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Right, and so, so it was nice not to go alone because uh, I don't know if you remember, there was this guy. He left, I think, in pre-Navishit. Um, his name was Eric Nataris. He's a former Navy, oh, yeah. I remember. Navy guy. So he was down there. He was down. Um, he was in Chicago for the summer. And so Mike, uh, Eric, Mikey and I drove from Chicago to uh, New Jersey. <coughs> yeah. Um, going into, into the summer. So before we get too far ahead of ourselves, like talk to me a little bit about uh, your vocation story. How did you go from um being of the street mindset where you it was you versus the world and then yeah how did you go from that standpoint into hey i think i might have a calling to be a priest and particularly 
uh, a Salesian priest? Yeah. Okay. So um, actually, I could remember wanting to be a priest since I was like three, four years old. Okay. So it's been something I've, I've always wanted to do. I, I really don't know why. Um, one of the earliest memories of, of like a religious attraction was um, seeing the priest during mass at consecration time or like, you know, lift up the Eucharist and just something drew me about that. Like it was, uh, yeah. And so I, whenever family members or whatever asked, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was always like a priest or whatever, right? Um, so yeah, that was- I'm trying to explain to people, uh, like, don't tell me you felt called. Like, what is it? Like, what's going on? Like, it's like, you know, something's pulling you in a direction. Like you're being led, you know, yeah. I felt like something was grasping at my heartstrings and pulling that, me along. I that's said, a good way to put it. It's like yeah. a, a calling. It is a calling, but like trying to put a physicality to it. Um, mm like you know how do you know you love someone like there's a draw there like you're yeah attraction you go after it, exactly exactly um yeah so definitely that pull um which is funny because like like that was that stuck with me all throughout like since i moved uh even though i wasn't like really into like these different religious experiences like my mom would take my siblings and i to this charismatic group meeting every friday night and well you know for a kid just praying teenager for like, wants to do on a friday night exactly three to four hours singing uh praise and worship in spanish clapping dancing you know it's just like i that was my experience of church up until then so like i i definitely did not find it attractive so i was like why do i want to become a priest i don't know but it was just maybe to celebrate mass whatever um so i moved to chicago and then like i feel like there was a huge shift there because just being out of place from everything that i knew it was like it, it left room for all these new influences and that's when i guess i kind of really started to hear like the voice of the world draw me like drinking girls um whatever popularity like that's when everything just became real to me kind of that that social setting um and then that's why i kind of like i really forgot about that dream to become a priest it was like i really don't care uh, my brother my oldest brother left for the marines so i kind of like looked up to that i was like all right you know that's like a very masculine kind of cool thing to do so um i think for the next four or five years like that was the thing it was like all right i'll do the marines you know uh i'll do that after high school um and then like around junior year when i started um oh no no first off first off so after so the summer after my sophomore year uh, my oldest brother bought me and my two younger uh, siblings uh tickets to go to new york from chicago um you know just just for vacation for a couple of weeks and then uh thanks be to god i ended up staying with my cousin who was really re religious at the time she was like, what, 25, 26. And she had just had her conversion uh, around earlier that year. So she tried to go to daily mass, you know, stuff like that. And I stayed with her. And then like just her, um, her influence, her example, like really spoke out to me. It was like, this is different from anything I'm used to at home, you know? Mm -hmm. She's, uh, 
she's just like a very kind person, nice, like just very attentive. And she didn't used to be like that before. Like she was really into like parties and stuff like that. So it was weird. I was like, how could somebody change so much? And so then that like just, I was like, all right, I want to, I want to kind of, I want to be like that. I want to be like, you know, that type of person for others. So um, I, I think I'll get, you know, involved in the church close to my, by my house. Right. I'll, I'll just do, see what, whatever I can do. My idea was exactly, exactly. My idea was like, um, I don't know, helping <laughs> fold chairs, move stuff around. Like I was like, okay, I could, I could do that type of help. Um, but I didn't really want to be too involved. So I spoke to father, Tim, Tim Zach at the time who was there. And I just talked to him one, one uh, evening after mass. I was like, Hey, uh, is there any way I could help out? And then he referenced me to the Cub Scout group that just started over there. And yeah, I, I went every Wednesday evening. Um, it was just, it was funny because it was like my first interaction with like kids. And I, I, I remember just feeling so awkward. I'm like, what the heck do I do? <laughs> but yeah, um, and I think that that like just that was my foot in the door. And then I got to meet some other young people and stuff like that. And I just started to kind of get more involved and start to be there more and more gradually. Okay. That's a good little introduction into it. So your yeah. cousin, cousin kind of got you into the scenario of wanting to be a good Christian, uh, at least. And so you start volunteering and then Cub Scouts and then just being around them led to that deeper draw and wanting to right. to be around it. So then how does that morph into a year and a half later, you moving to New Jersey yeah, to yeah. start formation? So the summer, kind of one year later, summer um, after my junior year, I go on this retreat called Gospel Roads to Philly. And there, you know, it's a service retreat. It was, I think my, yeah, my first Gospel Roads. And for that week, you know, you, you're staying at a place with other people your age and, and doing service. And so, like, it was, it was, like, one of the happiest moments of my life. It was just such a good experience. And at the end of that, of course, I was like, like, this is amazing. Like, I would, I would love to be a Salesian, be part of the people who helped to do this, you know? Um, so, yeah, and I, I remember consciously, like, after that week, I was like, oh, yep, I think I want to start the the process to go to seminary so i came back home talked to father tim our pastor and then after that applied to see in hall and yeah yeah and the then is history yep 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 so then you get there and that was uh what 2011 2012 2012 <clears throat> yeah 2012 2013 yeah yeah um so like what that experience or or what no, I, I, I don't have a, a bad experience or anything. I mean, oh, no, no. I said like, like you, do you want me to talk about that experience or? Yeah, it's like moving? your, the floor is yours on oh, you, cool. whatever you yeah. want to talk about. It was, no, uh, I, I have on my little, you know, list of questions here, just like, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, a little bit about your childhood, your vocation story. And then I just put Salesians because we were both Salesians. Yeah. Uh, we were both in the same places essentially 
and you know we both decided to leave yeah so yeah why why was the decision to leave there but i mean prior to that there's got to be build up to to that of course of course yeah um so that first year was it kind of it was shocking i i didn't you know of course you don't know what to expect right I, it was shocking on a few levels in the sense that um it was my first time really was it yeah really interacting with like white people on the, on a larger scale so like culturally i didn't think it would affect me but my whole life i was used to being around minorities so even that sense right that that american kind of culture interaction really a uh, white boy for you to get acquainted with and you know somebody like me <laughs> <laughs> i know i know this uh bostonian kid shit it was like yeah and it's it was that was um that was surprising so even even at school right like like i never went to school with white people I was like oh shit like why do they talk like that <laughs> or like why why are they acting that way like it just yeah it was weird i see things on tiktok now it's like uh the different levels of fancy it's like my daddy drives a bmw my daddy drives a mercedes my papa <laughs> drives an aston martin i oh, feel man, like I that's probably that. about what your uh, yeah, yeah that's thing of white people your felt. experience of white people must have felt like complaining about um complaining about driving the toyota instead of the lexus i'm like what <laughs> i mean the biggest complaint i had was people not filling up uh, the gas tanks when they were supposed to yeah <laughs> oh man i gotta say uh, one of the things that the Sil like on a positive note about the salesians it, it did prepare me a bit for life like uh living in community and having those expectations and um divvying up different tasks and whatnot for helping out yeah yeah it made I, me not be afraid to put an effort to work that, oh really yeah that definitely i could definitely see that so lesions can work like crazy um but yeah i guess like on a little side note um recently i've been seeing a lot more like, man, they really taught me how to communicate. Like, I mean, that was a, a huge skill that I've gotten that I feel like uh, I'm starting to see like, oh, not a lot of people can do that mm -hmm. or at least do that well, you know? I yeah. Like, yeah. I've learned a lot of like conflict resolution uh, with them because after I came up here, I got a a couple like side hustle jobs. I was a bouncer for a little while. No way. What? Yeah. That yeah. is so, <laughs> I could totally see you do that. That's and, funny. You know, it was just, it was one instance where there was a uh, homeless guy who came in waving his cane and trying to hit people because he's trying to steal bottles of booze. Cause as you came in the door, if you mm -hmm. turned right, like the entrance to the bar was right there. And I was just like, Nope, I don't think so. I grabbed homeboy's cane and I just drove him out of the place and he you know, was trying to swing at me, let go of my cane. So I took his cane and I threw it across the street. I said, two choices, walk over there, pick it up, or I'm going to have to drop you because I'm not getting hit tonight. Like, and he just 
went off and picked up his cane. But uh, that was a communicative moment. And I was able to <laughs> de-escalate, like throw his cane over there, make him go get his cane, and then he forgets about it. Yeah, and yeah. I deal with uh, a bunch of drunk 20-year-olds with the, uh, I'm an umpire for uh, softball, social sports. Oh, match. shit, yeah. And like, they'll be drunk and start complaining. And I'm like, stop, take it down 20 levels and then talk about it. So it's that's just like awesome, man. De-escalation. Prevent a system. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah. Let's see. Well, where was I? Uh, so yeah, that was it. And uh, the praying aspect too. The praying, like I never prayed the breviary. So I was like, why? Why is this so formal? Or like, why? Why are we praying this? Like, I I found it boring for sure. You know, I don't know if that was your experience. Going I enjoyed it. I liked the repetitious nature of it. Mm. Like, um, I like learning to sing the hymns and whatnot. Um, those sorts of things I yeah. enjoy. And I still, from time to time, will pray it, uh, but on my phone, not on. Gotcha. Just because I was like, oh, I got to flip back and forth. Where am I at? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that's so funny. I just do it on my phone because, I mean, I still work for um for the catholic church up here Mm -hmm. my nine to five job so i still have you know go to daily mass and whatnot but um oh that's awesome has definitely taken a backseat but it's still still there from time to time yeah um yeah it's funny because like now i enjoy it like ever since more i think since yeah leaving like i've gotten a much better appreciation of it i feel like it grounds me in my prayer life yeah definitely definitely um yeah, so I think that first year was just a lot of adjustment, a lot of adjustment. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, after that, like once I kind of figured the flow of things, how things work, um, I was definitely able to like get more into it. Like um, definitely Prina Bishop was like really fun uh, being in Port Chester. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it kind of reminded me of Chicago, too. So, yeah, I mean, it's a big Hispanic community up there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like the Portuguese kind of culture exposure too. Um, I, I don't know. Are you familiar with the work at all? No? Uh, not too, too much. I mean, okay. I, no, I would say probably not Newark. I mean, okay. I was, I never had any, I had uh, one year where I would go and help tutor kids uh, at Crystal Ray Newark. Okay. Gotcha. So, so tell me about your overall experience with formation. So, man, um, formation, definitely like pros and cons, but definitely some huge pros. Um, I feel like formation, the biggest thing I got was it provided me with the family and the, yeah, I guess like the family life that I lacked for most of my early years. So um, growing up, Growing up, like my my oldest brother was like my father figure. My parents, you know, being immigrant parents, uh, very limited education, uh, they had to work. They had to work a lot. So I really wasn't raised with my parents at home. And once we got to Chicago, that you know that was even worse because uh, they worked night shift, and so during the day, like they'd be sleeping. So it was kind of like I raised myself along with my siblings, mm-hmm. um, and so. I feel like the Salesians gave me 
like that ability to, to be a kid, to, to really um, kind of, yeah, not, I don't have to be so, uh, I don't have to, you know, be so mature and like to take care of anybody. Like you could, you could be a young person uh, growing up in the parish, right? And then throughout formation just gave me a lot of life skills, you know, like communicating, um, what's it called? Uh, working together on, on different things, uh, really understanding, you know, the importance of family time, of, yeah, of being in community, and especially of, of like prayer, of a relationship with God. So I feel like it gave me a lot of beautiful human, um, like human lessons in life that now I take to life. And I, I hear from a lot of people, like just, <laughs> like I, I stand out. You know, for example, like, um, who was it? Like uh, a few people told me like, oh, like I'm, I'm really polite. And it's just, I'm, I'm not trying to be, it's just, you know, um, even if it's like, okay, you're done. Like this would just be a classic orange thing. Like you're done with a meal. Somebody else is done with meal. You take their plate, you take it to the kitchen, you know, whatever. And, and people are like really surprised by that. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. manners. what are those? Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, I guess, I guess, yeah, it's just like, I don't even notice it. And I'm sure there's a lot of things I still don't notice, but um, definitely it just, I'm, I'm glad, like, I'll never take back those years because it helped me to be the man I am today. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. So yeah. then um, when you entered in 2012 and then when you left last year or a year and a half ago now in yeah. 20, so you That's left in 2020? 2020, yes. July, 2020. Okay. So in in the middle of the pandemic you mm -hmm. chose yeah. to leave yeah like, I, I can't be quarantined with these people anymore i need to get out of here <laughs> um, you know what was that decision pro making process like for you like what was what oh was, dude it was why it was tough like um so let's see new orleans i would say was a really like it was a great time especially for discernment right um, I would say since, since New Orleans, maybe even a little beforehand, like there was always, and that, yeah, definitely beforehand, like there was this question, it was like, hmm, like something just doesn't feel right, you know, like, but, but for me, I was like, okay, you know, is it, is it really like the life I'm not called to this or is this just a momentary thing, right? That was always my thing. And I kept asking myself that and I was like, okay, you know, let, like, like it's it's not bad. There's nothing like terrible. Like, but let me let me see it through. And so of course there's good times and stuff like that. Like, okay, maybe that was just like a little hiccup or whatever. But then moving to New Orleans, um, it was like that that kept coming back. I was like, I don't know, but like I, I never really gave it much thought. Like, like maybe it's just maybe it's just me, maybe it's just this or that. Um, and I guess like on on a foot of like just self-disclosure like i i know i don't know if you knew but um i struggled with like anxiety a lot and definitely i'm, I'm in like a, a lot uh, in a way better place now and i guess that's something else formation provided me like with that aspect of like mental health you know yeah, they definitely um, encouraged me to go see uh, people and talk to them mm. and you know i have a depression diagnosis that i was oh shit of. um yeah but no, it's those things you, 
you walk with in silence and you suffer in silence and you don't talk yeah, man. with people. For sure. And, um, you know, anxiety definitely leads to moments of depression and stuff like that. Right. So that was, that was hard. I felt like that was hard. Um, in the sense, like, say if I'm in the midst of something like that and then I have to go to like a, a retreat or a youth group, and it's like, shit, <laughs> I'm feeling like shit. How the heck do I, you know, I pull myself together? Just yeah, exactly. do it. You, you have to, you have to um, that, uh, saying fake it till you make it. Exactly. <laughs> I know. So for, like, yeah, go for it. I was going to say, uh, like, you know, my decision-making process, like I made the deal with myself that I wasn't going to leave until they told me no. But in the back of my head, I knew that I wanted to have my own family, but I was wow. going to keep going until they told me no. And they kept telling me yes. So then yeah. I'm staring down the barrel of like, forever and i'm like mm. wow man yeah 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 no it's it's definitely a hard choice um and like i guess i i i always found that hard to integrate into my salesian life you know and, and i guess that's why i stayed because like even though i had doubts it was like well maybe it's just my anxiety you know mm -hmm. uh messing me up and and once I learned how to kind of handle that, work through that, I could, I could get into this, you know, I could get into it more. But in New Orleans, I, I went to um, the psychologist at the archdiocese. So across the street from the seminary, New Orleans seminary, there's the, the house for mental health services for the seminary. Okay. And for me, like that was my best experience of, um, of like, receiving mental care of uh what's it called of a psychologist because they're there specifically for the seminary meaning that they're catholic and they understand the way vows work the way the faith and mental health works together so it was very holistic and that helped me out so much in this sermon like i my psychologist i love her to death she was literally sad to say she was the one who helped me to discern because like no, that's you know, not I, a I sad really... thing. That's a good thing. Like... <laughs> well, it's a good thing, but like I felt like she was the main one, whereas I think a Salesian should have been there to to help me do that. Oh, okay. So sad that the Salesians weren't helping you. That, that she took, yeah, kind of that, that place in discernment. Yeah, like okay. for sure you need a, a lot of people and, and stuff to, to discern, but she was the main one. Gotcha. You know, um, and so... Yeah, it was it was this one moment. Um, this was during quarantine. So like in March, April, around there, I was talking to her about something in community. Community life was kind of rough for me that second year. Um, and so I was talking to her about something like that. And then she was like, like, Ron, like, let me repeat to you kind of um, so, some of the things that you've told me over these last two years that you've seen me, right? So she had her, her like notebook and she just kind of told me some, some of the things in my own words that I've shared. And then, oh shit, sorry. Um, and then after hearing that, I was like, whoa, I like, it just, I couldn't lie to myself. I was like, I definitely been wanting to leave. Like that was, that made it for me so clear. I was like, yeah, all right, that's it. <laughs> like, 
now that I kind of see through all the kind of BS is like, yep, like I, I need to leave now. Um, there's no point in, in dragging this on if I know I'm not called to this. Okay. So then you separated from the Salesians. Yeah. Um, down yeah, the, in New Orleans, in Marrero. Yeah. And then you moved back up to Newark. Yeah. No. Um, down the street from where it all began in Orange, New Jersey. <laughs> I never thought that would happen. That You know, it's just funny how that works. But no, I moved to Queens, to Astoria. So it's okay. really nice. Yeah, I moved to Astoria. Um, and that's where I grew up when I was a kid, up until I was 12, right? And um, yeah, I worked with, my cousin works in construction out in Long Island. So what I would do is, I was living in Queens pretty much on the weekends, Monday through Friday, I would take the train, like it's about a two hour commute out to his place, stay with him, stay with his family at, you know, Monday through Friday, and then working 10 hours or so, probably even more a day in construction. And so needless to say that kicked my ass, like physically that was tiring as hell. (laughs) Um, and I guess the fact was, like, I didn't like that I was um, spending most of my time. I was making money. It was good money. But I was making a lot of or I was spending a lot of time in Long Island working rather than in Queens. And, you know, I, I wanted to build um, what's it called? I wanted a community. Right. Like I wanted to, to start making friends and stuff like that. Uh, family is good and all, but like I, I wanted people my age. Um, so after working two months of that, that constant commute and stuff like that, um, I kind of, I ended it. I, I got out. And then for that, like November to December, pretty much just started spending my money and hanging out in the city. Um, and then that's where I, I contacted, I guess, my current girlfriend, Jackie. Um, you know, I kind of hit her up and we hung out and then she introduced me to her co-workers and stuff like that. So breaking news, you and Jackie are an item. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you know her from your time in the Salesians. Yeah. Okay. Funny. So funny. Yeah. Like when I left, I made a conscious decision. I said, I'm never going to date anybody I know from that world. No way. Why? I don't know. It's just like, I'm going to have a, a clean break and a separation and I'm getting out and just, I didn't want to have any like undue influence or, you know, I knew this person knew me as a religious and yeah. now I'm not a religious. Like they saw me uh, in that ministerial role and I don't want to convolute, you know, any feelings or what have you, or, you know, have any preset judgments. So I was like, wow. I'm, I'm gonna go into a new city that I've never really lived in and start life there. Shit. Wait, where are you originally from? Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Okay. So you never lived in Boston. I stayed here for like two summers, um, working at the boys and girls club in East Boston, mm-hmm. but that is about it. Okay. Okay, that's wow. I, I had no idea. That's uh, it's pretty cool that you made that conscious decision. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, not knocking you or anything. It's just that was my 
my thought process. Like, I don't want this to be, oh, they knew me as brother Adam. And now, you know, I'm coming into yeah. their life as a love interest or something. Like, right, I feel like right. That could be a little weird. Yeah. Interesting. No, like, I guess for me, like I, it was okay just because like, um, like whenever, like, yeah, of course she would come by the house and stuff, but like, it was always on like business, at least my interactions with her were always kind of like with ministry and like, there was no attraction there. Like, like at first or like throughout my Salesian life. So it was like, so like, it, it kind of felt like I got to know her in this different way once okay. I got out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, definitely it was, uh, I mean, yeah, was, key, like intelligence part on me. I knew you guys were a couple before having you on the podcast. Somebody spilled the tea uh, <laughs> for me. So I was like, Ooh, I got to ask him about this. But then when you Kate just came out and say it, I was like, I don't have a problem talking about this now. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's whatever. But, uh, yeah, it was, um, definitely unforeseen. Like it was just, I guess, hanging out a lot more and, um, yeah, I guess getting to know her and in, in that way, like more as a, as a companion and stuff like that. Right. Was, yeah. So how long have you guys been, uh, an item? Oh, pretty short. Uh, like almost about two months now. Nice. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was a, a good time of like the friendship phase at first, you know, getting to know each other awesome. for sure. Yeah, and man. What are you uh, doing now for work? So right now I'm a medical scribe at St. Joseph's Hospital in Patterson. Okay. Yeah, Patterson, New Jersey. Um, I did a chaplaincy internship there. No way. What? That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. Um, Myself, yeah. who else? We had to do it for uh, Seton Hall. I'm trying to think who else went with me. I think it was uh, Eddie and Juan Pablo. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Wow, small world mm -hmm. but yeah man i i love it it's a great job um so do you know what a scribe does i have no idea what a scribe does a lot of people don't know so let, let me let me fill you in um so pretty much i like follow the doctors around so when they visit their patients i work in the emergency room okay like you know they see a lot of patients uh especially depending on, on which department they're in like it's just um for a lot of different reasons and so i follow the doctors around and i pretty much i visit the patient with them and when the doctors go in to see a patient, you know, they, they get the patient's um, uh, history of their illness, what kind of illness they've had before, uh, what are they experiencing now, uh, what treatment they've done, stuff like that, right? Like a lot of... So you're um, just taking the notes while the doctor's doing his things. Exactly, exactly. And then I pretty much just document all that. Okay. So it saves the doctor's time, right? Because like doing the charting takes time. And so if you had to do that for every patient... Um, that limits your amount of time that you get to spend with them and the new patient you get to see. So uh, I guess that's why like it's the, the reason for the job, the, the yeah explanation of a scribe, but yeah, it's, it's been fun. Cause I've never, like I have no background in science. Hmm. So it's been cool to kind of get to know um, like the medical field in that way. Um, and my experience with the doctors have been amazing, like very down to earth, very youthful, friendly, like really cool people. Um, yeah. And it's just like, you know, just being exposed to that here and there is like, you kind of, you feel very comfortable. You get to see how they think and the reason why they do certain things. It's yeah. It's cool. Nice. The, uh, you know, 
I mean, you do have some background with science because theology is a science. It's one of the sacred sciences. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. I meant uh, biological <laughs> sciences. Medical science. Okay, well, I mean... Medi medical science, yeah. You, you have to define your terms, right, Mr. Philosopher? Okay, yeah. all right. All right, Mr. Philosopher, yeah. You got that right. You got that right. I mean, I know. <laughs> the, uh... Yeah, man. Um. So, actually... So, you know, hanging out with Jackie, getting to meet her co-workers and stuff. You know, she introduced me to her boss. And then he put in the good word for me at the hospital to you get this job. At the same hospital? Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So. so how's the commute from Newark to Patterson? Man, that's that's rough. <laughs> it's rough. It's like about an hour and a half. I have to walk like about half an hour to Penn Station. And at least from there, it's just one bus. Uh, before I was taking two, but um, but yeah, especially on summer days when it's like in the mid nineties, it gets yeah, yeah it's seven degrees here now. So I'm just like, wow. I was up here like just trying to mentally prepare for this little interview, and I had the AC going. I'm like, all right, hopefully this will keep, you know, because I'm up on the third floor uh, of our house. Oh shit! And it heat rises, you know. It's exactly. Like third floor in orange all over again, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man you know what i it was funny i huh. remember when we were in orange and uh -huh. we had no air conditioning and no fans and now you guys or you guys had air conditioning and fans when i had left there i was like you guys are soft i felt like such an old snap back in my day i, I know like, oh man uh, i only had a fan that was it well, I yeah. went out and bought like a box fan and like set it up like on uh, the desk chair that I had and just had it blowing on my face directly. I'm like, I need some sort of an air movement. <laughs> I can't handle the stagnancy with which how, how hot it is. And the brick house that we lived, the convent, like it just absorbed heat. And yeah, dude, those, those uh, summer nights were rough. Definitely remember that. So um, how was, uh, I guess, what's your fondest memory and least fond memory of me and living together? Because I know you hated my alarm clock. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, oh, that's funny. Let me see. Because I, I did address it in uh, my episode uh, this week because i put out the ask me anything questions and you were did you oh that's hilarious and uh only like four people responded um but you asked about the alarm clock so i talked a bit about that and you know, <laughs> sometimes i wake up to my alarm now and other times my wife wakes me up and she gives me a little shake like shut that off i can still sleep yeah for hour is it still the same alarm um sometimes yes sometimes no let's see that was terrible that that alarm oh oh now it's uh okay all right so it's a normal one now yeah because in back in the day i had i was like why does he have this bomb shelter one i had yeah exactly like oh oh terrible so i i cannot understand how you did not hear that on full blast and yeah, like you, you responded to a knock on the door. I, I mean, knock on the wall. Yeah. I, I would hear that over. Yeah. <laughs> I got used to the sound and my brain like learned to ignore it. 
I, I could see that. No, um, let's see. My favorite memory of you. I don't. There, there were like little moments, like when you just like either joke around with somebody or like mess with somebody. Like, you know, those are fun. But I guess like one that stood out, like a moment was uh, this was my first year. Actually, it was funny. We were playing football down in like, that park in South Orange, mm-hmm. um, and then I think like Eddie was challenging you. You know, like you guys were challenging oh, about race. wrestling. Oh, foot race, but also wrestling. Uh, and then, like, you pinned them. Like, you pinned them fairly easily. I also had that, 200 pounds on them. Yeah. Yeah. But he was talking a lot of, a lot of smack, saying, oh, He's you know. He's a good shit talker. Yeah, yeah. I did a, a wrestling in high school. I could definitely overpower you, stuff like that. But, like, when you put them in this place, it was hilarious. Because, you know, he started blushing and stuff. Uh, did you beat, beat him in that foot race? No, he beat me. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> that would have been perfect. No, he, he he ran much quicker than I could. But uh, okay, no, the you know I'm I'm fat, but I'm fat strong. Like I can I can. But you're you're also quick on your feet. Yeah. I was really surprised to see that. Yeah, it was really cool. Like yeah, definitely. Um, Let's see. Least favorite memory, and I don't know if you remember. I, I yeah, I told you um, was the the crutch incident. Remember that? Uh, vaguely remember it because I had okay. some crutch moments myself. I remember having to walk with a cane for a few weeks. Really? Yeah i I had uh, I think it was while you were in novitiate or something. Uh, uh I had hurt my hip or something or a muscle in my leg mm-hmm. and I went and the doctor told me that he was very worried because the muscle that I had strained is a muscle that only marathon runners uh, strain. And he said, obviously you're not a marathon runner. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, definitely not. <laughs> what did I do? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, that, that kind of, at least you could sympathize with them, right? If you oh, yeah. come across marathon runners, you could talk about the same pain for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so let's see. I broke my foot. It was this intramural league at CN Hall, right? We had the soccer league. Yep. And I was on the team. And this was like, I think our first playoff game. You were on the team too. You were on the team too, I think. Yeah. Um, we had a playoff game. And then there's this like, yeah, big guy at least 270 or so he was kind of tall um but he had the ball he was running with it and i was the only defender there like you know in his way so i go straight at him and i put my foot in trying to get the ball from him but he ends up stepping on my foot on my right foot like he puts all his weight on it and he breaks three bones (laughs) so that's how i got the the crutches i was out for like a month but uh, so I got the cast and everything. And this was one night in Orange. I, I don't know. Maybe it was like, I don't know if you were having a rough day. But like, I remember you being in the living room watching TV, right? And like your, your sandals were like a, 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 fur, a bit, like maybe a few inches off from your foot or whatever. I was hobbling along with my crutches. And then I stopped by the living room and I see you there. And I'm like, oh, let me mess with this guy. So, 
so I get one of my crush and I get your sandals and like I I like put it maybe a few feet in front of you right and and I'm like I'm like laughing and then I, I I'm, I'm just standing there and I think like you just get up and you get my one of my crutches and I'm like oh okay like, I, I wonder what this guy's gonna do did I throw it out the front door or something and then well you disassemble it and you <laughs> throw it you throw the different pieces in the, in different parts of the hallway and now I'm like speechless I'm like this guy knows I'm crippled right <laughs> I'm gonna have to crawl on my knees to get these and to assemble it like no <laughs> and luckily uh, Steve DeMaio he came by and like he got it helped me assemble it I'm sorry I was an asshole <laughs> <laughs> oh man not yeah. only did you just mildly inconvenience me I disassemble your medical equipment <laughs> so I was wondering I'm like man I wondered what you know like he must have been having a pretty shitty day because I don't, I don't like you wouldn't do that but I don't know. I was like, I don't that really was... remember that. <laughs> yeah, man. Except yeah, my was... apology for being an asshole. Oh yeah, no, no. Like we, yeah, we talked about it or something. That's it's whatever. But uh, yeah, was, I will never forget that. <laughs> Broke my foot. I pushed his sandal a little bit out of the way, so he disassembled my crutch and threw it into random parts of the house. I wish I could see myself now because, like, that must, I would have laughed, like, just at that site. Man. Yeah, dude. I have, uh, like, memory. Somebody did something and I threw their shoes, like, outside the house. I forget who it was, but, like, mm-hmm. uh, I think I was in charge of, like, cleaning the living room or something. Like, that was my chore. And somebody left their shoes in the living room. So I just threw them out the window and, put him out in the yard i don't That's remember who scary. it was but i was just like i'm over this <laughs> you don't care about your stuff i don't care about it either yeah man for sure oh, oh good times good times good times but yeah dude. yeah but it's it's been a good journey outside i feel like i i definitely have been able to grow in my faith um outside just because like you encounter a lot of different situations that you know, you would never encounter formation. Oh. So it's like, yeah. It's such an in- intentionally contrived environment, right? So like they're creating that space for you to grow, to learn and implement the things uh, that you need to for that uh, human, spiritual, intellectual, and um, like all those levels of formation there. Yeah putting it you into that uh, oven to make it part of who you are. And then once you're on the outside, you can take all of those things that you've learned and apply it to your everyday life. And I think that was the best part of my uh, formation experience was taking these things and using it in everyday life. Exactly. Exactly, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's cool. It's cool. Just bringing my faith out into the world i love that like just um so you know it's a catholic hospital but it like by no means is everybody catholic right Right. um maybe maybe by name but um 
what's it called? Like just the other day. So it was a pretty slow night and I decided to bring my one book with me. Like if, if it's a slow night, like you could at times be just a few hours not doing anything. So I was like, let me be productive and, and bring a book with me. So I brought, I brought this book that talks about um, the liturgy of the hours. So it's like the layman's um, study of the liturgy of the hours, something like that, that, which is the title. And I was just reading it. Um, and then I set it down because I, I, was, I was documenting one of the charts. I, I, I set it down and I'm, I'm working. And then one of the doctors comes by and I see him just like really look at it. And from the corner of my eye, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if he knows what that is. And so he, he asked me, he's like, hey, do you mind if I take a look at it? I'm like, yeah, go for it. Um, and then he's like going through the pages, reading some pages very quickly. And then he's like, oh, do you pray the liturgy of the hours? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I, I do too. It's, uh, yeah, I was really surprised. And then, but he is um, Coptic, like Coptic okay. Orthodox, yeah. stuff like that. Uh, they're and, Egyptian, uh, the, the Coptic. Exactly. And then we start having like this 10, 15 minute conversation on the liturgy of the hours. It's uh, and kind of like how they do it and how we do it and stuff mm -hmm. like that. It was like, whoa, like that is so cool. Never had I thought about having a conversation like that at work. Like it's just, it's cool. And there's many little situations like that that I come across. It's like, wow, I'm, I'm glad I got to share this part of me. Um, yeah, with, with people, with people who, who might or might not have any religious background. Nice. But yeah. The, uh, yeah, it's definitely awesome to be a shining light in the world of, uh, you know, seeming darkness to be some sort of beacon of hope. Right. And to bring that out, uh, especially in, you know, a hospital setting where people probably aren't feeling so hopeful uh, is a good thing. Obviously, you know, you're not, you know, bedside preaching or anything, but right. just being who Ronnie is. Yeah. Uh, and having that, you know, emanate. Yeah, dude. It's, uh, that's why, like, it's gotten really, you know, over, I'm really glad I got this job because it just really had me thinking about uh, the medical field and what I would do in the future. So definitely. Um, what are your plans maybe, going forward? Yeah, I'm thinking about um, going into nursing, but long term, like, I, I definitely wouldn't mind being a doctor just because, like, like, I don't know, for me, it was, it's always been something like that, like always seemed like a very far off kind of impossible dream, but working with them, working with uh, the residents and stuff like that, it's like, oh, it's, it's not, I think I could, I could do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go into studies in the fall and kind of see, you know, it's, I'm excited about it, but definitely like the medical field is just such a beautiful place, uh, a prime place to bring my faith in. So I think I, it's awesome that you, you know, want to go into that medical field to, to help people out and, you know, whether it be nursing or being a doctor or, you know, continuing with being a scribe, just being there for people in their time of need is yeah. pretty important. Yeah, man. It, Cause you know, physical, um, physical treatment is definitely, like, it's super important, but also, you know, from what the solution has taught me, it's like um, the faith and healing is holistic it's both the physical and spiritual so like even just dropping a hopeful word um it's like a super like it's, it's really big um everything's interconnected 
Every exactly. Time. Exactly. Yeah, you could be healthy, but yet spiritually be feeling like shit. Um, and vice versa, right? Whereas at least from what the saints have shown is that it's it's better to be super holy and connected with God with suffering from physical ailments rather than being totally physically healthy and then feeling spiritually dead, right? Yeah, like I mean, um, so my I the three churches that I work for. Uh, back in 2019, they merged into one new parish, but kept the three churches open. And we took uh, mm -hmm. the Saints Louis and Zellie Martin, first married couple to be canonized mm -hmm. together, parents of St. Therese of Lisieux. Yeah. And um, like you read some of the letters that uh, Zellie wrote to Louis. And, you know, she's just complaining about how the kids are being so unruly. And, you know, really? Being, no way cry babies and the whole nine yards so i'm just like oh, yeah okay. so saints can be a pain in the ass too <laughs> that's so cool yeah i love that i love that um well but yeah man wrap this up but for um, sure for we sure. definitely should uh have you on again and we can share uh more battle stories uh of being in formation and That'd be great. Uh, talking about that so ronnie Thanks for joining us on the New Balances podcast, and we hope to have you back again sometime soon. Adam, this was a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. See you later. Yeah.